0: Thank you. Good morning. That was awesome. I was not expecting that. <laughs> okay. So for the first reading it's going to be from the Old Testament, First Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 20. So all the leaders, sorry. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, "You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, "Give us a king to lead us," this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, "Listen to all the people, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them. But warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go before us and fight our battles. The second reading is going to be from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, through chapter 5, verse 1. It is written... I believe, therefore, I have spoken. Since we have, since we have that same spirit of faith, we all believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. The third reading is from Mark chapter 3, verse 20 to 35. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Bezalbul. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, People can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgotten. They are guilty of eternal sin. He said this because they are saying he has an impure spirit. You,
1: Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Angelo, for reading this morning God's word, and we're going to look at the Old Testament and New Testament Uh, readings today. I'm going to ask you to take out your uh, bulletins and on the back side, it's blank for you to take sermon notes so you can write down anything that's on the screen or that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You have the cover to cover questions there for your personal study of what we'll be talking about and a a scripture memory verse as well. Uh, We want you to be able to memorize God's word and put that inside of you and all of that's there in the Bible. So there's a pen in front of you to take notes, and uh, let's dive into God's Word together. I need your help this morning as we begin. So I'm going to start a saying, and I'm going to ask you to finish that saying for me. You can just go ahead and and yell it out. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. Just finish these sayings uh, today. First saying is this. Looks can be Deceiving. deceiving. That's right. You can't judge a book by its... That's right. God looks at the... That's right. You guys know all those sayings, and they're all good sayings, right? They're all true. They're telling us that what's on the inside is so much more important than what's on the outside. In fact, this week, the Miss America pageant decided to remove the swimsuit competition. And the board of director, her name is Gretchen Carlson, said this. She said, we will no longer judge candidates on their outward physical appearance. Again, the inside is more important than the outside. Our world is beginning to realize this, and you and could say those are good, or those sayings are good, but yet we spend so much of our life looking at what's on the outside. Now, why is that? It's because we are creatures that are driven by what we see, and we can only see the outset. So let's go back to our Old Testament reading today. It's the moment where Israel asks for a king. They come to to Samuel and say, Samuel, you're getting old. It's time that we had a king to lead us. And Samuel's upset. I mean, he feels rejected because he's their leader. God anointed him. He's the judge. He's the prophet. And, And now they want a king. And so he's kind of He's kind of hurt by that. He's upset by that. And God says, Samuel, this isn't about you. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. And he says, Samuel, I want you to tell them what a king will cost them. It'll cost everything they have. They will end up giving everything they have to the king. And the king will lord it over them. They will serve this king. I want to tell you, if you want something other than God... It'll cost you. And what's interesting is is Israel responds by saying, we don't care what it costs. We want a king that will lead us and save us from our enemies. And I think about that passage and I go, really? Israel, don't you realize what God has done for you ever since you were delivered from Egypt? Egypt? You've never needed a thing. God's taken care of everything. He's provided everything you need. He has defeated any enemy in your way into the promised land. And now you want a king. And before we get too hard on the Israelites, because we could say, that's just stupid, you can look at God's word and see that, yeah, sometimes that's us, because Israel just wanted something they could see. They wanted a powerful king that they could see. They didn't want a God that they could not see. Our New Testament passage teaches us that there are things that are seen and there are things that are unseen. There are things on the inside and they're unseen and they are more important than what's on the outside or what is seen. And the Bible very plainly teaches us we have an inside and we have an outside. Both are very important, but only one lasts forever. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, and we're just going to look at three verses from our New Testament reading today. It says in verse 16, therefore, do we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I want to start by talking about the outside you. The outside you is your body, your reputation, your persona, what everybody sees. The inside of you is something much deeper, it's your soul, it's your spirit. The outside everybody can see. The inside no one can see except for God. The outside you is temporary. The inside you is eternal. And like it or not, the outside you is perishing. It's hard to get old. Billy Graham wrote a book on growing old before he passed away, and he said this, that growing old isn't for sissies. By age 25, your bones begin to lose calcium, your skin begins to lose its elasticity, age spots begin to spread. By the age 30, you lose thousands of brain cells every day. Our weight begins to shift from the, where it should be to places of our body we'd rather not talk about. Our hair, where we would like it to grow, stops growing. And where we don't want it to grow, it starts growing. Uh, Mark and I went to Best Buy uh, this week. And we love going to Best Buy because, you know, computers and phones and televisions. We love looking at everything. And so we were having so much fun. Anytime you buy something at Best Buy, it's just like an exciting day for us. We just love going to Best Buy. And so I want to tell you about the purchase I got at Best Buy this week. I got the -the state-of-the-art nose trimmer. I'm going to tell you, this thing is like a machine. I mean, it is big, it is powerful. It's like holding a jet engine in your hand, because uh, it not only cuts the hair, it has a vacuum to suck the hairs out, and and that was my big purchase at Best Buy this week. It, 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 and if you want to know anything about it, we can talk about it after service. I, I know um, an older gentleman last night, he goes, do you think it would work on my ears? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But... Uh, Um, but yeah you can't fight it you won't win the outward is wasting away Uh, you can lavish time and and money on the outer you, you can exercise it, starve it botox it, stretch it lift it, tuck it, tan it, dress it up yet the truth remains all come from dust and to dust all return that's Ecclesiastes chapter 3 And verse 20, so we will all die, but I also want to tell you this because it's really important. You will never cease to exist. Your spirit, that inner you, is in the process of becoming something unbelievably good or unimaginably dark. And so we need to work on the inside. The inner you is the main thing that God looks at when he sees you. It's what's most important about you, and that's why we work on the inner you. Even Samuel got this mixed up. He was the prophet of God and knew God, but when, I, when Israel needed a new king, because Saul was pretty much a train wreck from day one, he's like, okay, we need a new king here. Go to the house of Jesse, and we're going to anoint a new king. And so David's oldest brother walks out, and He's big and he's strong and he's good looking. And and Samuel says, no, this must be the guy. And God has to say, no. I use a different measuring stick than man. And he says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And So they all went all the way down to to young David, who from that point on was called a man after God's own heart because God looks at the inside. In the New Testament, we are reading from Paul, and Paul lived his whole life with people saying that he wasn't very impressive. Here's the world, and we think of Paul as probably the greatest Christian to ever live, and and all that he did to spread the world, the gospel around the world, he really turned the world upside down And yet in a very transparent moment in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, he writes this about himself, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. That's King James language. In our language, we would say he looks weak and he has a funny voice. You know, this is the most powerful man alive, and yet he wasn't very powerful. It wasn't that Paul was just getting older. He had been beaten and stoned, he'd been imprisoned and starved. But Paul didn't let what was going on on the outside of him bother him too much. Because he knew what's going on on the inside is so much more important than what's going on on the outside. And we preached about that last week. We, we have these styrofoam cups, these. Clay jars that house the power of God. And remember our verse in chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So we've talked about the outside you. Let's talk about the inside you for a little bit. And I want to talk about this because Paul mastered the inside game. He knew how to handle it. I'm going to take some sayings from Paul from the Bible and put them into my own words but this is what Paul would say he'd say outside I may be dying a little but inside I'm coming to life I'm changing I'm getting stronger he had joy that would bubble up inside even when he was in prison he said in Philippians and I'll put it in my own words I'm getting more hopeful even though I know I'm going to die soon he said things like, I'm, 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 I'm becoming more loving even to the people who hate me. Paul's thoughts constantly ran heavenward. He had mastered the inside game. It's Paul who writes in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And look at all these outside things he names. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? or sword, shall anything from the outside? He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He mastered the inside game. That's what matters. There's nothing on the outside that can keep our inside away from God. When it comes to the outer you, we need to be grateful for the outer you. You need to make peace with it. You need to accept its limitations. You need to take care of it like a good steward. You need to work it hard. But always remember, it's wasting away. It's the inner you that will last Forever. It's the inner you that can have a glory beyond imagination. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And Whoa. Come on. We got it. I preached in the dark before, so it's all good. It's all good. You know what would be really cool if the verse was about the light of God? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> It says, dear friends, yeah, the outside it's wasting away, but inward we're being renewed. It says, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we uh, will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him like He is. We will be renewed with this imma- unimaginable glory. And so we need to make the biggest investment on the things that will last. So how do we do that? I want to get very practical today. So I hope you have your notes out, because I want you to write these things down. Because when it comes to the outside you, we have scales, we have mirrors, we can kind of check how the outside of us is progressing, but how do we check the inside? How do you track what really matters, what matters for all of eternity? How do we track the inside? So I'm going to give you a few things today. I'm going to give you six things, and there'll be a few on the board now and and a few in just a moment, but but the first three will pop up now. The first thing is self-examination. Self examination. We've got to ask the hard questions, the inside questions. We've got to begin to analyze what's going on on the inside of us. Now, when we go to the inside of us, probably the easiest thing we could track, and I'll use this as an example, is our thought life, because our thought life would be something inside of us. And so we begin to track our thought life, that self examination. We begin to see, Okay, where are my thoughts going? Are my thoughts being guided by the Spirit or by the flesh? And so we begin to see those things. And if we are, if we are going in the wrong direction with our thought life, that's a great time to confess. Because the Bible says, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive your sin. So we confess that sin and we move on and we move to live according to the Spirit or think according to the Spirit. And so we begin to analyze our insight. We ask those hard questions. And when we find that we are going in the wrong direction, we make that confession, and we begin to move in the right direction. And we begin to confess that that God is at work in our inner man. Now, the second thing is you need friends who love you. You need friends who love you. You need people speaking into your life, because there's some things in your life that you don't see, but other people see about you. And friends are good because they speak with both grace and truth. Sometimes you need a friend to tell you the truth. You need people to tell you that you stink when you stink. You just need that in life. You also need friends that don't just tell you that, they give you grace when you do stink. And they say, "You know what? It's going to be all right. It's going to get better. You're doing a good job." You need that, you need that encouragement. So so you need that accountability, you need that encouragement, you need that grace, you need that truth. You need other people in your life. You need friends who love you. Number three, you need to study and apply God's Word. We need to study God's Word because God's Word has a renewing power. It says that it renews our mind. It renews our inner person. We have to get God's Word inside of us. And we can do that by ourselves as we study God's Word. There's devotionals in the lobby. I'd love for you to grab a devotional. If you don't have one, read it every day. There's a scripture and a thought there for you. You can study that. There's a Steve Sampson track out there as well. It's all free. Take it, get it inside of you, and you can do that. You can do that with a small group, because it's always good to hear what God is speaking to other people as well. And so you can get those kind of moments with God, and you need to come to church, because the Word is preached here, and we need to get the Word of God inside of us, because that Word inside of us transforms our inner person. It transforms and renews our mind. And you can say, well, I want to study it on my own too, but how do I do that? I don't know how to read the Bible. Well, this this cover-to-cover series is the way to go because inside your bulletin, the scriptures that we read today, you can go back and reread and look at those questions. You can see what we're preaching next week and read those scriptures. You can go ahead and go through all of that. And you're like, well, I don't even know where to look in the Bible. The Bible has a table of contents like any other book. And so you can find where you need to go and you can study God's Word on your own or with a small group or here at church, but we need to study and apply God's Word to our life. The next one, number four, is we need to spend time in God's presence. We need to spend time in in God's presence. When we're in God's presence, that's when God works on the inside of us. Uh, Today in worship is a great example. When, When we're in His presence, He's at work inside of us. When we're abandoned to Him, when we're yielded to Him, He's at work inside of us. It's it's our inner person connecting with God. And so we need to be in His presence. And we need to be close to Jesus. This is all about Jesus, just so you know. And And it all begins and it ends with Him. God loves you so much. He wants to be close to you. He designed you to be close to Him. But it's sin that separates us from God. That's why Jesus came. He came and He died on a cross for your sin, for my sin, for all sin. And, and, and that, then when we are in Christ, we are forgiven. We are new in Christ. And all things pass away. All things become new. And so we have to hold on to that good news. If you want to follow Jesus, there's packets on each side of the altar up here. You can take one. It's got a Bible. It tells you what it means to follow Jesus. But we need to follow Jesus. That's where it starts. The gospel is good news. The story of Jesus is good News And a lot of times we think, well, I need the gospel to get saved, to pray the prayer and to get saved. Let me tell you, we need the gospel every day. We need the good news every day. We need to stand on that Christ died on the cross for our sins and they are all forgiven today, right now. It's good news, not just once, but every single day. And because of that good news, we can be in God's presence. And when we're in his presence, he is renewing the inner person. The next one is prayer and silence. Prayer and silence. The reason I I wrote prayer and silence is because I believe it's communication. That communication with God builds the inner person. And and so there are times where we need to talk, we need to pray, and then there's times we need to be quiet and we need to listen and hear what God's speaking to us. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we have to have that kind of communication with God. And so if we talk and we listen, that's going to build the inner person. And if you don't know how to pray, begin with the Lord's Prayer. That's a great way to pray. And you don't just have to recite it, although you can recite it, but just recite it and and then pray those things out, kind of like we did today. The, the, The part today, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's our starting point, but then we say, God, May your your will be done in my life. May it be done in the life of my family and and at work and at school. God, may your will come to this earth. Will you bring heaven to earth? Just begin to pray that way. And again, it will build the inner man. And then also, as you pray, have faith that God is listening to you while you pray and that he's going to answer your prayers. He says, ask anything in my name and I I will do it for you. And so ask in his name, pray with faith. The, the last one is outside examination. And me say, well, why are we examining outside things uh, if we're trying to work on the inner person? Let me tell you why. It's because a lot of times on the outside, it's reflecting what's going on on the inside. The Bible teaches very clearly that what comes out of our mouth originates in our heart. So the, it's an outside thing, our speech is an outside thing, yet it's revealing our hearts. So how are we talking? Is there vulgarity coming out of our mouth? Are we tearing people down with our words? Are we speaking with anger? You know, all of these things, because whatever's coming out of your your mouth is, is starting here in your heart. And so we can begin to see, and then when we see, man, I am talking angry to everybody. God, what's going on on the inside? So again, that's a, it's a way to check the insider to build the inner person. There's other things as well. You can look at your calendar, how you spend your time. That is a, a sign of what you love. What you do reflects what you love. And so again, check that out. See what, what, what's going on with that calendar. You can do the same thing with your money and your giving and things like that. You can check and see where is everything at with that because those are reflections of your heart. Your mouth, your calendar, your checkbook, all these things reflect the inside you. And let me tell you, if you want to know how your inside is doing, when you look at those things, ask yourself, are these things being done in love? Are they motivated by love? Are my words loving words that come out of my mouth? Are they motivated by love? Is what I do motivated by love? Calendars what I do motivated by love. Is what I give motivated by love? You know, again, all these things is it motivated by love? And when you see yes, then we know the inner man is in tune with God. We know the things are good. And we need to get serious about taking care of the inner person. Because it really does matter. Because that's what lasts forever. This past week, Pastor Harry and I uh, flew to Kansas City, and we were there Tuesday night for the wake and Wednesday for the funeral of Roberta Crane. Uh, Those that have been at church for uh, a while know Roberta because she's not only preached in our pulpit, but she has ministered in countless uh, women's gatherings here at the church. So all I have to do is say the name Roberta Crane, or maybe you knew her from camp if you grew up going to camp with our youth group. uh, you know who I'm talking about, and a smile will come to your, your face immediately because of the person that she was. For you, those of you who do not know Roberta Crane, she was a woman of tremendous strength and beauty and grace who impacted so many people. And it was across generational lines. It didn't matter if it was a child to a senior adult. I mean, she just impacted everybody she met. And I've never seen a person that was, and I'll use the word attractive, but I'm not using it in a beautiful sense, although she was beautiful, that was so attractive to everybody. Everybody loved to talk to Roberta. Even people, we met people at the the, uh, wake and funeral, they they would be far from God, but they still wanted to be close to Roberta. And they would tell what's going on in their life, and Roberta in in her words would say, oh honey, (laughs) oh that's not good, oh honey, let's pray about that, you know, just, but she was so full of the Holy Spirit, and I asked myself, why did everybody love this woman, why did everybody want to be around this woman, and I think it's because she was so Christ-like. When you think about Jesus and his ministry, it didn't matter if it was a saint or a sinner, they wanted to be around Jesus. There were tens of thousands of people pressing in to be close to Him because there was something about Him, about His love for them, about their connection with the Father. There was something that drew their heart to Him. And the more we radiate who Christ is, the more we draw people. And again, it's not drawing people to ourselves, it's drawing people to Jesus. It's, it's our inner person speaking to their inner person. The, the part that really matters is speaking to their heart. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, the next verse, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. She had a hard life at the end. It it was, it, was a, it was a difficult ending for Roberta, but now she rejoices and we celebrated her life as countless people told the testimony of what she meant in their life in bringing them to know Jesus. And so these light and momentary troubles, this world that we walk through and the problems that we have, it's actually achieving for us something that is so much greater. Uh, it outweighs everything. There's so much more than just this life. There is this weight of glory. And and, and the weight of glory, and C.S. Lewis actually wrote a book about this. It came from a sermon that he preached during World War II. And this idea of the weight of the glory, it's like when you realize God made you for himself, and that he loves you, and that you will be with him forever, there's this weight of glory. And in that moment when when C.S. Lewis first preached that message, you have to realize it was in in England in World War II. There wasn't much hope. We've seen a couple movies out recently that if you've watched, you saw how desperate it was for that nation during World War II. And it looked bad on the outside. But C.S. Lewis would preach, don't live for this world This world is too small and too weak for you. There is something so much greater. There is this weight of glory that is coming that you will be with Him. He loves you. And He will say, well done. Live for eternity. Because a hundred years from now, we're all dead. We're all dead. And what does it matter? See, it says, C.S. Lewis, one of the famous quotes from that book says, There are no ordinary people you have never talked to a mere mortal. There's no ordinary people. You're going to exist forever. The person you speak to is going to exist forever. So, how does this impact our life? I want you to really think about this. If this is true, what we've been preaching today is true, how does this impact your marriage? If, Because if, a lot of times in marriage, we are all focused on the outside because there's a lot of things going on with a couple, with kids, with life, and it's like, what if we focus on what's unseen, what's internal? How would we raise our children different instead of just thinking, of what's the next school they're going to go to, and, and, and start thinking, they're going to live forever. How is that going to impact your friendships, and your relationships, how is that going to interact your everyday interactions with other people, knowing that there's a part of them that's going to live forever? There's two parts to us, the outside and the inside, and only one will last forever. Let's make an investment in the part that lasts forever. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Lord Jesus, today we pray and we allow the word of God to soak deep into our hearts. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't get caught up with what we see that we wouldn't react to what we see in this world, in our lives, in the outside. But Lord, that we would begin to focus on the inside, those things that will last forever. Lord, I pray that we could be like Paul, who didn't care what other people said about him didn't care that there were people that hated him. Instead, he saw his inner man being built up and renewed day by day. And he saw others not for what they were on the outside, but that they were going to last forever. And so he had to share Jesus with them. He had to share the good news with them. God, I pray that our lives would be focused on what will last forever. That we will make an investment there. That we will make that investment in our marriages and in our parenting and in every relationship, whether a deep friendship or a casual contact. God, I pray that we would realize that we are not speaking to an ordinary person, but someone who will live forever. Lord, I pray that as you build our inner person, it would speak to the inner person of everyone that we meet. Jesus, we need to be more like you. We need you in our hearts and lives. We need to be motivated by your love. We want to lift you high so you can draw everyone to yourself. And so Lord, today we make the commitment make the commitment to make that investment in the inner person pray this in Jesus name Amen. Amen Would you stand as we sing this morning